Earthlings, and welcome to Are You For Real? My name is Tom, and with me as always is my old pal Grant. What's up? Oh my god, man. How I have missed you, how I have missed our listeners, how I have missed us doing this podcast. It's been a while. Uh, by my calculations, um, I think it's September 7th was the last time we recorded this. So I think we're a good month and a half-ish, almost two months since we've recorded, man. And uh, Time has been a, a flat circle for me, man. Jeez. It's I've like, yeah, I'm just watching the days trickle by. Like, I don't know, man. It's crazy. <laughs> like these months are flying by, honestly. I think it, because I'm just working from home and I'm uh, not really leaving the house and uh, whew, working for the weekend and stuff. Dude, everybody's working for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. Like, uh, you know, for for all our listeners out there, we um, just a, a quick update. Um some of you have expressed concern about our health, and we're we're still, thankfully, I, I speaking for myself and my family, um, I'm healthy, uh, but I've also been um, working harder than I've ever worked in my entire life uh, in my career. So I have been uh, just uh, snowed under, I guess you could say, with work uh, these last several weeks. So. Um, this is a weekend where, um, we've got some time to finally catch up on some UFO stuff and, uh, how, how, all right, before, without further ado, how are you doing, Grant? I'm doing good, I guess. Uh, just, yeah, busy, busy. Got a, I, I probably talked about it before. Yeah. My schedule's, uh, it's tough. I, I don't have the time to do the research and stuff like that. We're doing a pretty light episode this week as far as research intensive we it's a movie movie review pretty much or right but, um, a moving book report <laughs> yeah yeah um but uh yeah i don't know just been swamped like i said time has been a, a blur um just surviving basically not really uh not really much else honestly so and as we speak uh it is monday october 26th uh the uh the COVID uh, crisis is kind of on the uptick again, it seems like, here in America. And our election is just uh, one week away. So um, I'm going to go on the record and say uh, hopefully nothing super crazy happens in the next week and a half. But uh, the way things have been going, who knows? So Yeah. Uh, this is a UFO podcast, as we've always maintain, maintained, but uh, I, again, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that we are still, um, Grant and I are still uh, here in California dealing with uh, COVID type stuff, which is why the sound quality is less than perfect. But um, again, we always appreciate you guys sticking with us and tuning in and listening to us and um man oh man i'm i'm just giddy <laughs> that we're that we're back man yeah yeah and and yeah i want to i want to apologize for leaving the listener hanging there we kind of dropped off we i we even had like a technical difficulty where i got the other one out late the last one and um 
we didn't really expect to take that hiatus. It just kind of happened that way, basically. And um, we probably got some hiatus coming up here too. But we're gonna we want to come back and do the the show like we used to. I I really like the uh, research intensive ones, you know, and and learning about. Um, you know, learning about new stories and really getting getting in there and seeing how how believable they are and whatnot. Um, true, true. And and you know what, guys? Full to be honest, I like hanging out with my old pal Grant. I like. Yeah, shooting, I mean, <laughs> I like shooting the UFO stuff with him too. So that's always uh, that's always uh, the highlight of my uh, God, the highlight of my bi week by month, by however long we, right. <laughs> however, however long our gaps are getting in these things. But, uh, yeah. So, um, absolutely. And, oh, um, wait, Oh my God. It's already like, it's already happening here. Hang on just a sec. Did. did you hear that? Yeah, there was. Okay. We're already experiencing some kind of Do we have any UFO news? That's kind of right. I don't know. Not really news. Um, <laughs> there has been some interesting stuff going on. I've been I've been getting a lot of, of emails with some interesting news too. Uh, apparently, Demi, Demi Lovato is uh, she's out hanging with Greer, sending out tweets about his uh, app and her peace of mind, which is nice. Hey, and Doctor uh, Stephen Greer. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The doc, the good doctor. Oh my gosh. Uh, and uh some other some other w- weird wacky stuff there was a there was a story about trump apparently boasting that our our air force could take on whatever threat even if there was an alien threat you don't about boast that? about that man like <laughs> <laughs> regardless of what you think of trump are people out there listening you, you gotta say like look man coaxing aliens into a fight not a good idea <laughs> yeah um, but, um, yeah, as far as news, man, it was actually, uh, it's not really news basically, but I, uh, I had a strange sighting, man, when was it? It was like a week after we did our last recording. So it's been a while now. So maybe a month and a half ago or something like that. Um, Do tell. yeah, it was, it's weird. It's, it's really even hard to uh, describe and it wasn't anything, um, I don't know. It's just like such a minor thing, but it it is it was an un unexplainable to me flying object or unidentified. That's for sure. And it it was kind of strange characteristics. But let me just get into it here. Um, it's kind of hard to describe, you know. Um, but I was out. Um, like I said, I'm working crazy hours here, so I was out walking in the neighborhood um, at about 3 a.m. or so. I would guess 3 3:30 or so, and um, it was a really clear night, actually, no clouds in the sky or anything. So I was looking up at the stars as I am wont to do. And, um, sure. And then like all of a sudden I, w- I was next to like on the sidewalk walking along and there was a two story building to my left. And, um, all of a sudden there was just like a streak of light. Like it, I'm motioning with my hand, but just basically just like cutting across totally horizontally, you know, mm. um, maybe a little wavery it, it would it i mean not wavery it was a straight line it was it reminded me of like if if someone had taken a laser pointer and quickly went um from my point of view it was you know started on the right and went to left um but it was it wasn't red or anything it was just like a um like a white streak basically um really really thin like a laser pointer would be and um it actually 
my my mind immediately you know came up with an explanation of like oh like a firefly just streaked by and like winked out and um but then I realized I've never seen a firefly in my life in San Diego. <laughs> no, man. And, I've, uh, se- I've se- from personal experience, I've seen many a firefly or lightning bug or torchfly or whatever you want to call them uh, in the Midwest, but never out here in this climate we have in San Diego, uh, especially right. in yours. You're 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 closer to the uh, the ocean than I am. Right, right, yeah. And I wanted to say that too because I'm I'm. So this is in like San Diego, basically like nearby where the Tic Tac and everything and where they say they see all these things. I mean, I don't know what it was, honestly. Um, and I, I want to get into that in a second. But uh, it was that's all I really saw was just like a, a light streak by. And uh, my mind also, I think my mind, you know, initially it's just trying to le- put a quick definition on it. So I assumed it was a firefly, maybe um, 10 feet away, like midway up to like, the second story, I guess, you know, um, above me. And I think that my mind just immediately assumed that because of the speed it was going. So I would figure it, it couldn't have been too far away because of how fast it was going. Hmm. And, um, it would have been the streak. If it was that distance away, it would have been like maybe four to six feet long. So if it was up, I mean, if it was up high, it would have been, if it was any further away, it would have been going it faster than anything I could possibly imagine you know um wow you know what i mean yeah uh, do you think it was i mean obviously you've seen shooting stars and that's, meteors and that's that kind the other of stuff thing. too uh do you think it was there's a chance that it was that or um no i mean that would be the most likely explanation i i suppose you know if you don't believe that there's advanced craft flying around that you can't explain um because sure. it, it was like yeah. a uh because I don't want to discredit, I, I don't believe it was a shooting. It didn't look anything like a shooting star. It was actually probably moving a lot faster than I've ever seen a, a shooting star move too. Oh, you know? my I mean, God, there, man. It, was, it was just a, it was constant, you know, like a laser would be. Um, it what there was no, you know, usually there's like a burst or something with a shooting star or a, like some kind of a tail or something like that. But it was yeah. really just like a, like a line of light that started on the right and went to the left and then was just gone, you know? Um, and there was actually a little bit of a gap and then a dot. So that, that could also be like a shooting star thing where, you know, it went and kind of burned out and then it finally burned out. I don't know, but there was no sparks or anything like that. It was just like, like something zipped by that was bright for a second. Um, like literally like a, yeah, like half a second or a second. And, um, I don't know. It's just such a weird thing. No noise or anything like that, you know. Um, and well, that's actually no, unidentified aerial phenomena to me, man. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Definition. It's not the most exciting UFO story. It's just like a, a streak in the sky that I can't explain, you know. Um, the other thing, I mean, it could be like psychological effect, but I've never seen like streaks of light that I can. I mean, I've never seen streaks of light like that at, at any that point you can, life, that but, you can't but, account for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's first time for everything i guess so maybe i I was having a break i i remember um god that's awesome man i remember um uh there was a meteor shower uh this is a a, i guess my own anecdote about seeing things for the first time um there was a meteor shower uh and a friend of mine and i uh god we must have been about 10 or so i went with my friend and his family up to mount palomar to observe this uh, meteor shower 
Uh, it must have been either the very late 80s or early 90s. And I was a very good kid. Like, I would never curse in terms, like, especially in front of my friends' families or anything like that. But I remember the first time I saw um, a shooting star or a meteor or whatever it was, I just went, like, I said, oh, and I said the S word really loud. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And uh, my friend's dad was like, no, it's fine. You know, these, this, is, this is very – this is amazing what we're watching here. And I was like, it sure is. Right. <laughs> so, so, I mean, that that's my own I, – I feel like I had a similar experience in terms of seeing something for the first time that you did uh, when you saw that streak of light at 3 in the morning. My God, man, that must have been – and it's it's so weird because I was alone, you know, and it's just like, obviously, it's even hard for me to explain it. Like, it's not even that fantastic of a thing. It's just it is kind of unexplainable. It it would have been if it was further than a few feet away from me or, you know, a story away from me, I suppose you could say um, it would have been having to go incre- incredibly fast to cover that much distance. Um and it, I was looking to the um, to the west at the time, and I I live right Ooh. around UCSD, so I'm I'm not right near the beach, but I am, you know, five ten minutes away drive. Boy. Um, <laughs> so it it basically if it was up high and far away, then it would have been over the ocean, you know. So, but who knows? It could, who knows what it is? I don't know. I it, wonder what David. Though. I wonder what one David Fravor would have to say about that. Yeah, yeah, it's um. It honestly, too, I mean, it was it it didn't make a huge impact. You know, like I said, I immediately just dismissed it as a as a bug in my mind until I thought about it for a second and uh, realized there's no way that it was. Um, yeah, it's just it. It's just strange. You know, it, it was really weird. Um, well, that's cool, man. Um, I have uh, on a personal note, um, my house is going to be tented for termites in I'd say about three or four days. And so we are going to be having an Airbnb in a rural part of San Diego County. And so I'm looking forward to doing some, uh, some stargazing myself. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, taking a negative, i.e. termite infestation into a positive, i.e. you get away from the city lights and light pollution and all that. So, who knows, man? Maybe I'll have a UFO story for our next podcast, man. Yeah. I mean, I hear that's what the the whole scamdemic is about, is just keeping us indoors so we're not looking at the sky because there's so many of these things in there. No, yeah. I've been listening yeah. to my, uh, my favorite right-wing conspiracy UFO podcast. Oh, but, dear um, God. I don't even want to give that guy a shout-out. But yeah, I, yeah. I, suspect, I suspect anyone who's listened to our podcast with any regularity already knows who we're talking about. <laughs> I think I bring it up every episode now, but it, it's there, just so... yeah, this, we're, the amount of free uh, publicity we give that, that chump is, uh, you know, <laughs> by the way, Oh my God, are you wearing a star Trek shirt? No, wait, you're no, you're not. Okay. Uh, no, it's just, uh, just blue Royal. Okay. Blue. It looked like a, a, a science office, a Starfleet science officer's uniform <laughs> for a second. And I was like, man, I'm jealous about that. <laughs> don't worry um but uh well yeah let's get into our topic though huh? yeah and, shall we yeah yeah I, I so we're talking about the movie the phenomenon which uh i i rented it on uh on amazon prime so did i i don't think it's on netflix or any of the big the biggies no it's um, not um it it was 4.99 i think for rental 
was yeah. it? Was that how much it was? Something about that. Yeah. So about five bucks, about about five bucks here in America. I don't. Again, I, I I don't know how Amazon works in other parts of the world, um, particularly with Amazon Prime. But uh, yeah, uh, if you're here in America, um, the movie is called The Phenomenon. That's what we're going to be talking about today. It's uh, directed by James Fox and. Uh, um, one of the writers is uh, Tracy Torme of uh, multiple science fiction. Uh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I noticed that at the very end, and I'm glad I, I did. Tracy Torme. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, Tracy Torme did some stuff on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Apparently, Tracy Torme also did uh, writing for a made-for-TV miniseries called Intruders about the book of the same name. So uh, okay. I looked on Amazon and the there were the four-hour miniseries of Intruders uh, based on the book by Bud Hopkins is also available on Amazon. So I think I'm mm. gonna I'm gonna hop on that pretty quick. It's like twenty bucks. So yeah, yeah, you know how it is, man. Yeah, um, I noticed uh, Jacques Vallée was also credited as a writer and a producer, I believe, too. So um, right, very right. Jacques Vallée influenced. Uh, I saw George Knapp make an appearance as one of the producers as well. Um, was I was expecting to see more like a to the stars Academy direct relations. Maybe I just didn't recognize the names, but there was no, um, cause this is very in the two to the stars Academy ballpark, I think. Right. Um, I'd say so. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd, I assumed it was produced by them at first, but I, I don't know. I was wondering that. It's funny. You mentioned that. I was wondering that too, but Mr. Uh, Thomas DeLong did not make a, uh, did not make a physical appearance in the yeah. in the documentary anyway, but purely um, speculation. I wonder if he's trying to back his name away from it a little bit since it's bring, maybe bring since people like now. people of a certain age like you and me are immediately turned off by the fact that he would be <laughs> identified with any of that stuff. <laughs> uh, but a lot of Chris Mellon in there, some Senator Harry Reid. But we'll we'll get into that obviously. Yeah. Uh, Initial impressions, Grant. What do you think? Yeah, I was just going to ask you, what do you think, man? I loved this movie. I thought it was really good. Um, Dude, I, I noticed me too. lots of negative reviews on there from like hardcore UFO enthusiasts. They, it, it is like, um, I just thought it was a very well laid out and concise with a lot of firsthand accounts, credible, quote unquote, credible firsthand accounts and eyewitnesses, um, creating, presenting a really good narrative of kind of the modern UFO, um, what what would you call it? Um, the phenomenon, the UFO phenomenon, man. Like, yeah, uh, and, uh, and and I couldn't look, man. Like the like, okay. Background: Grant and I have not talked about this movie yet. We've we've deliberately avoided talking about it. And Grant wanted to, right? Yeah. yeah, we wanted to, and I wanted to. And Grant was like, no, 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 save it for the pod. And so we did. Um, and you literally took the words right out of my mouth, man. Like I thought this was. Um, an incredibly good movie in terms of it was very understated. Um, it was directed by James Fox, but guess what? He made maybe like two appearances in it for maybe thirty seconds apiece. James Fox. People seem to know who he is. I'm I'm not. Sure. I guess he he's done some other UFO type documentaries um, previously. I guess I did a little a little research, a little cursory research on him before. But that's the good thing. I don't want to. Like, he was on. He was on in Living Color, right? <laughs> <laughs> that would uh, that would be uh, David Allen Greer or <laughs> <laughs> okay sorry anyway yeah 
Um, but yeah, uh, James Fox, uh, again, I don't, I don't know who he is and frankly, I don't care to because he did the right thing in this documentary. He let his subjects speak. He introduced like the, there was an introduction for, uh, each subject pretty much just in terms of text. So you can go and look up the subjects for themselves. Um, again, Grant already mentioned him like Christopher Mellon, who's the former assistant secretary of defense for uh, defense uh, for intelligence for the um, U S defense department. We, had, I mean, we, we've talked about him before a lot. He, oh yeah. Responsible yeah. for the Tic Tac videos and all that. Right. Stuff, but, uh, right. Um, and a, a nice little quote from Mr. Mellon was uh, from this documentary. We are part of the norm. We are not the exception. Uh, referring to life in general, oh. what I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but so you know, uh, this this documentary has uh, it's got you know Christopher Mellon. It's got uh, a lot of interesting interviews with people who are younger, people who are older, like significantly older and significantly younger than myself. Um, and it's a great. What what really stood out to me is I think this is a great documentary to show to your significant other who is not at all interested in the UFO phenomenon to make them interested into the, in the UFO phenomenon. It's I funny you say that because I, when I first watched, I wanted to show it to my wife just to see, cause it does make such a compelling case and it's very, uh, I, I don't even know how to say it. You know, it's, it's not, it doesn't get into the nitty gritty. It makes some broad. No, it, it you know, doesn't. Um, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't go, it doesn't dig too deep. But at the same time, it does it in a way that's not sensational. It it does it in a way that's um, um, it's very like I said, understated and not sensational. But at the same time, making very um, compelling cases. Uh, the the as you mentioned earlier, I saw a bunch of negative reviews on Amazon, like one star. This is all rehashed about Roswell. Yeah, we know all one this. Star, no new information. One star. We already know about Project Blue Book and everything like that. Well, do you really though? And it's it's the thing is, I saw interviews on there that I'd never seen before. I've right. you know I consider myself now fairly well well versed in the UFO phenomena. And the UAP phenomena, and I saw interviews with J. Allen Hynek from Project Project Blue Book that I'd never seen before. I saw interviews even with Gordon Cooper, the, the astronaut that I hadn't seen before, and I'd heard about cases that I hadn't even heard about before, like um, the the Westall landing in Australia and well, the Zimbabwe. Yeah, let's let's go through yeah, it. Like we'll go, we'll do that. Yeah. We'll do all that. But I mean, just as an overview, um, I thought this was a, a very well done documentary. And the uh, the story they went with like really credible stories too. You know, ones where there's documentation, sure. historical documentation about it, and, and government real like their actual announcements about it and uh a lot of that old footage i thought was really interesting you know um oh yeah yeah and yeah and uh one thing i mean we'll probably get into it but i, I really to finish my thought i wanted to show my wife but i w really wanted to watch it with my dad because i don't know if you remember when we were talking about it before but he was always telling me about about how his father my grandfather was uh was into the ufo phenomenon and it was because of all this stuff they're talking about when when everyone was seeing it, it was all over the news you know, that's kind of the story they, they tell you. Um, and it, it kind of matched up exactly with what my dad was telling me, you know, I, um, which was, I mean, it was just, it was really interesting and, um, we'll get into it too, but they kind of do what I wanted to do with this podcast is looking at semi-credible stories, you know, um, 
incredible witnesses. And then also you see similarities between all these stories, which is really interesting, you know, and I think they presented, um, they weren't really, I could be wrong about this, but I don't, they kind of, it felt like they left it up to the viewer. Like they're just presenting all these stories and you can draw your own conclusion. I mean, obviously they're picking and choosing what kind of stories they're telling. There's, there's not a lot about abductions or anything like that in here. I got to say, and it's, I think they're presenting, they're basically, I mean, Right. It was like what I wanted the Stephen Greer movie to be, honestly. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, no. Because they're basically I, telling the same, making the same case as he is with, with a little less conspiracy theories. And, um, but it's basically about this, you know, we're getting visited and they, they seem to be benevolent and want, they're interested in us uh, preserving ourselves, basically, I guess. I don't know. Does that, does that yeah, sound right? Uh, yeah. And I, and I think even that part was left up to the viewer in terms of uh, whatever their intentions were. That was left. All the contact type stuff was left towards the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a lot of it, uh, the vast majority of it, uh, in, in my opinion, was uh, just, uh, you know, sightings from extremely credible people from – uh, pilots to astronauts to uh, government officials to um, let's see police officers um, god m- missile silo um, like operators I, mean, I don't know I don't know what the best yeah like yeah. all sorts of stuff you know and and you know to be fair maybe all this stuff was available for people to dig deep on. Uh, people who are on like UF, UFO list serves and UFO uh, mailing groups and you know uh, that kind of stuff. But bringing this, I think this was a very palatable documentary for people who are interested in the UFO phenomenon, such as myself, and people who are probably uninterested in the UFO phenomena. It's a good way to make them interested in it. And so I, that's, I think is what to the stars Academy's mission probably is. And I didn't see their name anywhere on this documentary, but uh, I think someone may have beat them to the punch. (laughs) Now it could be because I remember when I first saw like the first episode of ancient aliens and I was just blown away by all this history. I was hearing that I had never heard about Um, Then I go look on Wikipedia and it, they kind of tear down some of these stories pretty quick, you know, or the connections they're making. But, um, so it would be interesting to see like a counter movie kind of, because this, if this is like, I don't know what you're, you know, working in law. Um, what, I mean, they make a very compelling case basically, you know, so they're presenting evidence that tells a, a certain story basically, or, or, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I do. And, and, you know, in, in laws, I know testimonial evidence is essentially given the same weight uh, as far as jurors are concerned. Uh, and, you know, for the most part, like circumstantial evidence is is the same as, as direct evidence. Uh, it's given the same weight. However, um, testimonial evidence is generally like if somebody says they saw something that is not weighed nearly it's not given the same weight nearly as much as someone saying like, Hey, I saw something and I took a picture of it. Here it is. So now it, so there was, I think a fairly good amount of photographic and video evidence Mm -hmm. also that I hadn't seen before in this documentary. Um, um, And, um, 
uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I interrupted you. And I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> no, no. Um, there, there was like the, the there, were, there were some classic. Do you want to go through like? bit by bit here we could not, we could probably start parsing this out now i, I think, think that's the best way because there's there's yeah. things that i i, I want to discuss with you on here you know um yeah so let's let's get into the uh the actual the movie the timeline on the movie here and kind of go through it because uh you know i want to uh discuss here i'm i did my usual thing of scribbling down notes as i'm watching it thinking that they're going to make complete sense to me and um i'm looking at them now they might be a little too vague here but um Let's see. So it, it starts with um, the sighting uh, with William T. Coleman, who uh, he was basically transporting a B-52 bomber from one base to another, I believe. And he saw some silver flying discs. Um, I didn't write down any other details there because I thought I would remember. But um, well, he ended up becoming the project for or the uh, spokesman for Project Blue Book for a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that stuck out with Mr. Coleman was he said uh, um he noticed that as it was as they were pursuing it it didn't have he said quote it doesn't have a tail and it doesn't have any wings which is something that was especially not having a tail that was unheard of for uh uh aviation back then i mean i guess right. now we have things like the stealth bomber that are more of a i guess a, a pyramid type shape thing that doesn't necessarily have a tail but oh, back yeah. then um back then uh not having a tail was like oh boy that that's crazy and uh he also mentioned that it didn't that no exhaust there was no propulsion no signs of propulsion or anything right was that the one where he said he did see like two contrails behind it i believe right um i think it flew over uh that's the one where he said it flew over like a field and it had like two the conception of it had a had two kind of like spirally things like you guys can't see me but i'm doing two spirally motions with my, <laughs> my index fingers there um, right you'll just have to you'll you'll just have to watch it for yourselves um which i thought was interesting because it kind of reminded me of that the the thing that we had talked about a while ago about the where they were developing that little uh, flying disc themselves and it how it just had like little uh, ports, I guess, or something that that the exhaust would come out of, but and it could change direction on a dime. So I, I thought that was interesting. Um, right. But uh, so it, what I thought was, I also found all these accounts because we're we're gonna go through them. There's there's a lot of stuff from this era. What, when was that B fifty two sighting? Do you know? Do you have the date on that? Nineteen fifty five. Okay. Okay. Well then, but then they talk about nineteen forty seven in Mount Rainier. Um, Anyway, I, I I was under the impression that was the first time that someone, or maybe that was the, the first time. Well, they, they don't. Used, uh, uh, well, they they chronologically do jump around a little bit, so it's not like a, uh, you know, uh, uh, a chronological history of UFOs, which I guess would have started arguably in like caveman times or the, at the well, very well, least, yeah, like the Middle yeah. Ages in terms of, but um, in terms of. <clears throat> American experience with UFOs. I think it was uh, Roswell, 1947, which they don't actually get into until probably about yeah. halfway through the movie. But the, yeah, the 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 well, not to discount the Foo Fighters too, you know, and World true, War II. true, yeah. Um, but the the Coleman sighting, what I have written down here is 1955, and you know, if we're wrong, then we're wrong. I'm sure our viewers will or our listeners will uh, forgive us that slight chronological transgression there, but. <laughs> Um, but um anyway yeah. so that 
Yeah, and, and describing uh, basically, he didn't think it was something that uh, we could have made, huh? Or yeah, no, I wish I'd- yeah, no, he did not, absolutely not. And that's that is a near universal, actually not right. near universal. It is a universal theme throughout this uh, about how every single person uh, who is interviewed in this, from Gordon Cooper to there's um, a guy named William Nash, who was a Pan Am pilot and. Every a lot of people who have a lot of flying credentials are like, we don't have anything like this. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, as the stuff that these things are doing is well outside of not just our capability, uh, but uh, in terms of American flight, but in terms of human flight, well outside. And- and what a lot of these guys say too is uh, they always end it. They always end, seem to end the same with, boom, they're gone. It's just gone at an incredibly high speed, like unbelievably high speed, from basically just sitting there to gone. And interestingly enough, that's what David Fravor says as well um, right. with, about the Tic Tac. I mean that. I remember. Remember, I was telling you that in um, uh, the the to the stars academy show on the history channel which i can't unidentified i believe it's called um or unacknowledged yeah. and um when he went down to uh, baja california i believe and or down to baja and the, all the fishermen were explaining that they'd always seen lights there and they're all going doing that thing with the arm of just like John, you yeah know, just yeah like, it's universal and yeah. my grandmother told me that same thing too if you remember yeah. um so, yeah, I, and, yeah. I, and I thought, yeah, I thought that was interesting because they get into the, like a flap over L.A. where there was a lot of sightings over L.A. and stuff. And it was probably right around that that time frame, too, where where my grandma says that she saw it and, and my grandfather did, too. Um, so it's just, uh, yeah, it's it's really compelling, man. It it, it builds some pretty good evidence there. Um, and it, I thought it was interesting to see it because this was kind of before UFOs in the I, I guess towards the 70s and 80s where you would just be laughed off because you know project blue book was a real thing where you could go report seeing flying saucers to the government and they would take you seriously and take a report and quote unquote yeah. investigate it you know um right so it it wasn't something that you would just be laughed off like okay yeah whatever like you saw a flying saucer or something and and these pilots are seriously talking about you know describing what they saw i don't know it's just it's it's different you know yeah yeah, and it's it's neat hearing the old timers, the the quote unquote old timers. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm. I guess I'm close to being an old timer myself. But uh, right. once, once you hear people, uh, your elders talk about things uh, that they saw, especially um, when they talk about things in their area of expertise, such as flying. When you talk, um. When you hear about grizzled old Air Force veterans who were, um, you know, American pilots who were okay with flying over, like, Germany and, like, uh, the Pacific Theater and being, you know, probably scared to do so, but they did it anyway. And then having them talk about things that they can't explain. And they, right. they, them seeing things that they can't explain and uh, say and being in awe of things like these are people who like were flying right over Berlin or wherever or flying all over like the, you know, the that Japanese like horror show over there. And then mm. they talk about um, 
by the way, I also saw this, uh, this, this UFO, um, and there's no way that anything on this planet has that kind of capability. I tend to take those people seriously. Right. And yeah, it's, and it is, a again, these, these military pilots, they are trained to identify other flying objects as if their life depended on it or the life of the nation depends on it, you know, because it does. Right. And, uh, and they can't. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting. And there was some interesting, I mean, uh, it goes through a lot of quick cases, kind of just kind of building a, a case for how this is a com was a common thing in that era. And, and the movie's kind of divided up by, by subtitles or chapters. Yeah. I guess. I did, it was I, just kind of weird. I, I thought that yeah. was, uh, that was a minor gripe of mine. I get a very, very minor gripe uh, is I wish they would have done it more chronologically, I guess. But, um, you know, just to make it easier to follow. But um, so the first one was show of force, I believe. I, I didn't I didn't even I stopped writing them down. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. well, uh, I got them. I, so. I started writing down um, the testimonials and the one I the one I really want to talk about. First is William Nash, who's a, a a pilot for Pan Am. Do you remember that guy? Do you uh, let me see. Do you know where that was, or was that the one around, around Mount Rainier, or that might have been where he's talked about uh, six objects? There were six objects flying. Oh before. yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this guy William Nash, uh, he's again, he's a he was a, a pilot for Pan American, and I I assume he was in the military before that, maybe not, but. Um, he talked about how he had a uh, a sighting where there were six objects flying information, and there he estimated them going in between between six thousand and twelve thousand miles an hour, and they made an abrupt turn. And when I say abrupt, I mean like a V, like they like they were all flying in a in a linear fashion, and then they abruptly went mm -hmm. away in a V like probably like a 30 degree angle, like the, like, and he said, um, something that <laughs> stuck out to me on that is, uh, he said any living being inside those things would have been juice on the wall yeah. <laughs> because of the, because of the, uh, because of the G forces involved in that. And he also brought up an interesting point. He said something, something flying a physical object like that, for us as humans to have that kind of capability, we would need an intermediate step to achieve speeds and maneuverability like that. Right. Because we have right now, we can go relatively fast. We can turn relatively fast too. But for right. what he witnessed uh, would require, uh, you don't just go from what we have now to what he witnessed without some kind of intermediate step, maybe well – he actually said, yeah, nothing could be made without knowledge of the steps in between, like between a jet and what he saw. Like there's no way – like so many steps would have had to be taken that it would be virtually impossible to do that without s somehow society knowing about one of the steps. Right. Either either you, you take those baby steps or somebody shows you how to take bigger steps. Either one of the, one of the two. You don't just get that um, – it, it would take, I guess, probably someone the equivalent of like, I don't know how many Einsteins that would take. <laughs> I'm not even going to try and quantify that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, okay, so yeah, we're getting into something in the air then. Because so this is, um, 
so this, yeah, the show of force, basically it, it does a few accounts basically of just like, wow, we, you know, our military has been experiencing and seeing these things. Um, and then it gets into something in the air and that I just wrote out secret document. So I'm not sure what that was. That's something acknowledging that they, that this phenomenon is real basically in, in the government, I believe, uh, my best guess on going off my notes. And then, um, then there's a uh, McMinnville. Yes. Where, uh, the McMinnville UFO. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I wrote down a uh, describes common things. So I am assuming that like that's where I noticed like a lot of these narratives are very similar, you know, um, and that's when it gets into Gordon Cooper as well. And he I wrote down the zip, well, you know, quote, but um, well, the, the going back to the McMinnville thing real quick, uh, just on a personal note, the McMinnville one was one of the first images of a UFO or a purported UFO that I'd ever seen. Um, I went to the uh, San Carlos Library near my house, and I looked up books on UFOs, and uh, there was a picture of the McMinnville one, which is um, – uh, there's a couple there, – I think there are two pictures that uh, the a farmer took, and I think his wife's name is Evelyn, Evelyn Trent maybe. Um, but anyway, they uh, it's a very famous picture that depicts – Definitely a solid object, um, and it looks almost like a hubcap, which would lead one to believe that maybe they just threw a hubcap in the air. But the thing is, it has a very sharp point on the top of it, um, mm. and it looks. And there's also some, uh, what is it? Uh, how do I describe this? Uh, like phone, that- like tel- like telephone lines in the okay, foreground. That's that one. So they were, okay, yeah. yeah. So they were able to. Um, determine the relative size of the object and the object itself itself would have been much bigger than a hubcap um, tossed in the air because of, because they were able to, um, it, you know, analyze the photo and everything like that. But yeah, the McMinnville UFO is a very famous um, UFO sighting, at least here in America. The, I, I know and, one and, of the oh, uh, oh, oh, one more thing. Sorry about one more thing about that. Uh, they emphasized in the documentary that they never made a dime from it, and these are very quote unquote, I guess, salt of the earth type people. Uh, they seemed like it. But, yeah, and they got they did, some crazy yeah. pants on, man. Some crazy but, farmer pants. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I, they, they, the documentary, the the phenomenon says that uh, they never made a dime from it. So, uh, if we are to take their word that they never made a dime from it. Um, Hey, that makes it all the more uh, believable. Yeah, um, and they, I think they they showed quite a quite a few photos at that at that point, right? They showed a, a few different ones. Um, they all do look very hubcap like, I gotta say. Um, but I mean, that's what people describe. Right. All the pilots describe as shiny silver discs, you know, which shaped like a hubcap basically. So that makes sense. <laughs> right. Um, and, and to be very clear, I think during this time. Uh, a lot of stuff. There were a lot of hoaxes happening. A lot of people probably were just like, yeah, I'm going to cash in on this or I'm going to try and cash in on this mm-hmm. um, and just try and make some hoaxes or just, uh, you know, try and get book deals and say I've been abducted yeah. and, you know, that kind of stuff. But what a, this documentary does a good job of, I think, is parsing that out. I guess you could say. Right. Again, I yeah, I think a lot of these accounts are, are very credible witnesses, you know. Um, hard to poke holes in. The uh, the one of the critiques I read in 
in the reviews though was that they use a photo where you can see the hair i mean they didn't really describe what they were talking about i assume like something was tied with a hair or something hanging there but i i didn't notice that in anything i saw i didn't but, notice uh, that either i don't know if that's a critique of one of these you know um but uh and then it gets into the DC flap, which we've we've discussed before. Yeah, um, kind of similar time. that they do use that photo that was discredited and basically is just a reflection of lights. But they 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 do uh, illustrate that it's an artist rendition right. and they not a real photo. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't have a, I didn't have a problem with that because I saw it in the trailer and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and then, well, uh, no, they, they did. Yeah. yeah, it did but, say it was an artist. They made they made clear to say that it was an artist rendering. So. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, yeah. There, I mean, but hearing people talking about how scary that was, uh, and yeah, they had a, going like, look, dude, like this is, this is the, uh, this, this is the perimeter around the white house. that's allowed. And these things were encroaching on that. We scrambled fighters and all that. And it was, uh, it, it's just really, uh, it, it's cool hearing, hearing the, the old guard testify about that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it. I think they had a radar radar operator that was talking to the pilot who basically was about to engage them, and he's like, he said nobody said anything when he asked what to do because it's like I'm not I'm not gonna tell him to shoot at this thing, you know? Right, right, exactly. And then and then like he the the rad the radar operator almost breathed a sigh of relief when he's like they're gone they're they've disappeared or they've gone away or something. Like he said they uh they just left. <laughs> they just, they just, just got, got out, out and left. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's creepy though. I mean, yeah, that's pretty restricted airspace over uh, Washington D.C. I believe. Um, One would hope, even back then. Yeah. And then it gets into the Sanford press conference. So this is all covered in the the Washington D.C. flap that we uh, we talked about. I don't know why they call them flaps, but um, I think that must be a term of art back in the day. Yeah. The um like a gaggle of geese, a flap oh. of UFOs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I, <laughs> this okay, this is the first note. I have no idea what it means, but it says fifty-two CIA papers. <laughs> so uh, so that could be the year nineteen fifty-two, or there were actually. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I got to stop critiquing myself here. But then it um. Hey, so wait then, a minute! Wait a minute. <laughs> There's no sorries on this podcast, Grant. We've <laughs> oh, yeah. talked about re- this every episode. There are no sorries on this podcast. I apologize. I always forget that. Um, so the um, yeah, so so basically the uh, you know something in the air. That's when the government's actually acknowledging it because the Sanford press conference. I mean, that is a big deal. Like, can you imagine if if the federal government or the military did uphold the pref- press conference because of uh, unidentified things in the air? Um, I, it's just hard to picture these days, you know. Or just the military holding a press conference, honestly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and saying like, "Hey, uh, heads up, this is something that happened right here." Although something as simple as saying, "Hey, X, Y, and Z happened." Although maybe that's unfair, since they they have come forward through the press to uh, to acknowledge that they uh, they can't identify these Tic Tac videos and whatnots. Um, well, let me I see. Yeah, I guess it's a fairly recent thing. Although in this conference, as we talked about before, he kind of blames it on temperature inversion causing radar malfunction or whatever. Um, and then, uh, so then we go into the chapter into the dark, uh, and uh, this is the scary part—the innermost cave. And um, 
No, not really. This just means that the government starts stops being so transparent, I guess, or I don't know. Yeah, you're right. These chapter things, I, I didn't even really understand the title sometimes. But um, yeah, it was an artistic choice that I didn't necessarily agree with, but I didn't have a massive problem with either. I didn't find it to be distracting. But it seems to be about um, yeah, the government kind of deciding what they're going to do, and as we mentioned before on the Sanford press conference, that that's kind of when they they stopped acknowledging them to the the public and they had that uh anyway i listened to the episode but they had that um, that meeting where they decided that the public couldn't wouldn't be able to handle that if there was an advanced race flying around uncontrollably um but we get into jacques valet and j allen hynek and project blue book and indeed um discover a letter from hc cross about a, a secret program Right. That was like a secret program within Project Blue Book, I believe. Right. Is that the one where we were? Uh, yeah, that was a uh, that was something that I was not necessarily aware of. I might have had a, a passing knowledge of it, but um, I didn't know that there was a secret. Uh, I guess a secret uh group within project blue book that this mysterious hc cross person uh well like i said these are the kinds of stories that i was really interested in digging into so i I, a lot of these i want to go back and kind of look at them in more detail you know sure future episodes yeah so i think a lot of these will be good future episodes um then uh We've got the interviewer, Mike Wallace. The cigarette is Parliament. Yes. <laughs> is that what he said? Show. Okay. He's like, I'm yeah, like, yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> he identified the cigarette that he was smoking. Uh, for those of you not from America, Mike Wallace is a uh, well-respected uh, television journalist. Uh, he might have been a newsprint journalist as well. But he was uh, on the American version of 60 Minutes for as long as I can remember. Anyway. Yeah, um, and I, yeah, I love the casual uh, smoking on TV <laughs> during an interview, and um, just acknowledging that's just such a, a relic, man. I love that stuff. But um, and then uh, sorry, my funny. cat tried to break into the room there. Speaking of. Uh, you know, now now TV just ignores cigarettes, but um, yeah, this guy getting interviewed said. Uh, well, the government is treating citizens like children or that's not quite the quote, but he said something like that, you know, basically like, you know, give, give people the truth, see if they can handle it or not, I guess. But, um, right. And that seems to be the, the overarching theory is that the government's just hiding this. If you believe that, because we can't handle it. Um, and then it got into the, uh, the Westall school. Which oh is- man. How cool is this? This is something that I was completely I was not aware of the West Hall. You know, I heard, I heard, I, I get them mixed up. I think I might have heard of both of these actually, and it, they are definitely ones that I wanted to do. Um, a uh, uh, an episode on the um, the second one, I think, was even more intriguing. That was the one I was really thinking of because I had heard about. I think some of the footage we see at the end of the movie is from that documentary that I had wanted. I, I was trying to find a copy of that actual documentary, you know, but um. Anyway, I, yeah, these are these are pretty fascinating here. Um, yeah, the Westall one, I'd, again, that's something I'd never even I'd never even heard of, and I'm sure our our 
Australian friends and listeners have heard of this. <laughs> it was in the what 1960s in Australia. I guess there were hundreds of students who saw an object um, uh, flying around, and I think it even it even landed. And uh, there was a in the documentary that a school science teacher uh, spoke on the condition of anonymity, uh, describing what he saw for the first time, like ever uh, on the record. And that was yeah. the first time we saw the, uh, the director of this movie uh, interviewing this, this Australian gentleman. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, uh, he didn't, this, this school science teacher didn't, uh, identify himself by name or by face or anything but at the same time the fact that he was willing to at least speak to uh a a ufo documentary and uh you know i i, I tend to take the word of children even hundreds of children i tend to take that with a grain of salt mm-hmm. but uh you know when if if there's someone who's willing to an adult who's willing to come out there and and say something and uh, put their put their good name out there i guess i give that a little bit more uh it's got a little bit more oomph for me and it sounds like was this the one i i it sounds like the faculty was pre- pretty much told to uh to button up not talk about it, it didn't happen yeah um, yeah exactly i think some of the people got some some rather brusque visitors <laughs> Saying, hey, you didn't see a damn thing. And uh, uh, basically, these aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the flying objects you're looking for. And we start to see that narrative, too, where, um, yeah, people are interviewed. They want all the information about what happened. Then they're told that it didn't happen. Don't talk about it, which is uh, interesting, which could point to top secret technology, I suppose. But um, it seems a little little fishy there. Then uh, there were some Texas sightings of a, a glowing egg. And um, I believe is is that uh, from Texas? Is that the Lonnie Zamora one? No, or it gets into it because that was in New Mexico. That was the, the Lonnie. Yeah, Zamora yeah, no. Was, okay, I don't really remember, but they they did kind of go through uh, you know another thing of just people seeing a glowing egg. I don't. I, I want to. Well, anyway, yeah. But someone describes a glowing egg, and they they were saying yeah, it shuts off machines somehow. You can shut off machines by proximity. But then, yeah, then it goes into, uh, and I think this is another chapter, the case that changed everything with Officer Lonnie Zamora. Yeah, yeah. This is a good one, too. This is uh, this is one I'd like to look at in more detail, you know. This is one that it was actually, guess what, on Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a surprise. Uh, yeah. Um, and it was another one of the first cases where I actually heard about somebody who allegedly had encounters with not just a UFO, but actually alien creatures. Um, and this is pretty much the only one besides at, towards the end where they actually talk about any beings or anything that's inside of them, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Th- and this is, this is a, I'm sure this is a, a famous case for all of our uh, American listeners. Uh, it's officer Lonnie Zamora, of the, uh, I don't know if he's the New Mexico State Police or if he's just a local police officer from Socorro, New Mexico. Um, I don't know. This guy's got cojones, though, man. He's 50 feet away, he said. He just pulls right, up to this. Right. So he, 
uh, you want to describe it or like he basically sees a disc landed on a like three uh, tripod legs or whatever. Right? I think it was like actually, this is one of those egg shaped type ones. Oh, it was okay. okay. Yeah, this is an egg one. Okay. Uh, it was not a disc, uh, and it had like a tripod type uh, landing thing, and he pulled up on it, and uh, he saw there were there. He described the figures as childlike, and as a as an aside, I guess J. Allen Hynek kind of believed this is one of the more believable cases. Uh, Heineck. Uh, but anyway, by, uh, by childlike, he means like child sized. No, he doesn't not mean like, like full of wonder and no, and, not full of wonder. Not like, uh, you know, wanting to play Roblox and listen to, uh, you know, kids bop all the time. Not that kind of stuff, but he was, uh, was child. I guess they were child sized. <laughs> just throwing tantrums around the, uh, the egg. <laughs> The, uh, eating ha- like opening up like just th- dumping their happy meal out until they get the toy <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to eat their veggies yeah right the, uh, but yeah Lonnie uh, Samora who's an actual police officer going on record saying hey this happened this was in 1964 by the way um, and uh, yeah he said that it, it he saw a flame erupt from the bottom of it and uh that was odd i thought because you don't hear that too often you know no you don't usually hear about any kind of like you don't hear about people seeing or hearing any kind of propulsion but he saw like a flame and he and in unsolved mysteries anyway um he talked about uh feeling the heat and i don't know if he act he might have actually he might have actually suffered some burns from it uh allegedly but he he felt that he was uh, he felt the heat from this thing, and it, he said it only flew up like twenty or thirty feet in the air, and it just sat there for a bit, uh, as opposed, and then it just, and then it disappeared. But I guess it, uh, according to Zamora, it just it hovered there for a bit, and then it just went. Wow. So weird. He doesn't. One thing that, that kind of bugged me. I don't know if he got into it more on Unsolved Mysteries. Maybe we'll just have to do an episode on it. But he he doesn't really describe the figures besides saying they're childish and. Um, Right. Or childlike. Um, right. They're super. He said they were very babyish, like they were goo goo gaga type stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, he didn't even. I don't even know if they had the big eyes or what. You know, um, of childlike wonder, and uh, no, like big black eyes. You know, um, like child abuse or. Uh, well, we could do a deep dive into Lonnie Zamora. I think that actually, I would be happy to do that. For what I would like to know is like, did he see how they got back in the craft at all? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I don't like. I I know he said he took some. It was in an arroyo, which is kind of like a wash uh, mm-hmm. in the desert. And he said he was taking shelter behind a bush, and I guess some of his friends were like, well, "Why didn't you shoot at it?" <laughs> it's like, dude, really? Am I going to shoot at this crazy thing? <laughs> it's illegally parked. The police just start shooting at people. Well, um, he could anyway. have legally issued it a ticket. I'm sure. But right, right, yeah. <laughs> he could have given this thing an infraction, maybe a misdemeanor. Maybe. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it does not justify the use of lethal force. <laughs> he, uh, I think he he came across as a very credible witness. You know, he seemed pretty disturbed by what he'd seen, and not someone that wanted to take it on, but he saw it, and he was just telling people what he saw. Basically, his wife said he was really uh, kind of shaken up by it. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, crazy. And then uh, I thought it was, I mean, there was, there was pictures of the landing, and apparently there was little 
childlike footprints around the craft on each side, as he described. But then there's no photographs of the footprints. <laughs> I want to see some alien footprint photos. Yeah, they did have photos of the tripod uh, indentations, but I don't think that the whatever the 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 child the the childish footprints. <laughs> I, don't, I guess they didn't. Maybe they got blown away in the uh, in the desert in the desert sand. But uh, I guess there were. I don't know if they were burn marks or if it was just from the heavy yeah, indentation. But uh, yeah, again, I think a. A, a deep dive into the Lonnie Zamora phenomenon would be would be pretty would be pretty awesome. And they had a somewhat cheesy uh, montage of all the letters that he received, Officer Zamora received, of support and people that had seen the same things, which was which is interesting and compelling, you know, um, kind of describing a lot of the same things, like burn marks on the ground and little creatures and whatnot. Um, good stuff. And then uh, we get into. Michigan in 1966 and um, basically this is where the famous uh, this is where the swamp or the swampy or marsh gas explanation uh, comes from I think uh, it, it wasn't J. Allen Hynek it was who was it no, I, forget I thought it was Hynek was it Hynek yeah and he it was oh you're right it was Hynek now, I, I, one of the reviews, you know, I don't know how accurate that is, but they said that Heineck actually wasn't really a believer, and and he didn't, he didn't really think they were that real as as this movie presents. Obviously, Jacques Vallée had a lot to do with this movie, and he was he worked closely with Heineck quite a bit. So he, I might trust Vallée, but who knows, you know? Um, but this is where Heineck's being kind of stubborn and saying like, well, I, I don't know, it is, it is he's kind of cagey with it, like, well, I can't say that it's not real, but most likely it's not, or or something like that, basically. You know? Yeah, this, yeah. yeah. These uh, these Michigan sightings were, as I've got it written down, from 1966. I think one was in Ann Arbor, and there was another in Dexter, Michigan. Um, both areas I'm moderately familiar with, but not not very much. Uh, Ann Arbor I'm more familiar with, uh, which is a college town. So I don't see how a marsh gas type explanation could hold any water in a i mean i mean look man maybe ann arbor was a lot more rural back in 1966 than it is now and in Mm -hmm. fact i'm willing to bet that it was so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um did they they have descriptions of what people had seen like firsthand accounts because i i don't recall it sounding in much like swamp glass to me like it seemed like a real thing but uh, it was pretty vague Yeah. yeah okay um but then it gets into – so now we're getting into where the government is basically denying that, you know, coming out. And, this, and that's basically they they came out with a 1,400-page uh, report, the Air Force and uh, Condon. Right. And and who was, who was Condon? He, was Condon the guy that said Swampcast then? Is that right? No. Um, Man, I'm sorry. Again, I don't think I it thought, was Condon. Yeah. I thought it all uh, makes sense after when I was writing it down, but I don't think it. No, I think it was Heineck that said the the marsh gas and the swamp yeah, gas. So Con, yeah, Condon was definitely a, a debunker of the. Uh, oh, that's right. He got a he got in charge of like the the task force to study it basically, and um, he was not a believer going in, and he right. basically said like, oh, I got to wait like a year until I decide that it's not true or something right um, yeah he said something along the lines of i can't he's like i i, I, 
I'm obliged to wait a year until I officially debunk this or so I, I, like, I don't really think there's anything to this, but I'm obliged to wait until the end of my commission to, uh, officially say so or something we're like that. paraphrasing, but if you guys watch it, you'll check, you'll, yeah. you'll get the idea. He was, yeah. He's not really the guy, the guy, you, the open-minded kind of guy you want no. being in charge of the, the official statement. And that's pretty much what happened. It seems is so they came out with like a 1400 page report, uh, called the scientific study of, unidentified flying objects this is the air force and and that was basically it like uh for that section well well no wait okay uh there was also the montana stuff so well basically what they said is um oh yeah that was where the guy was like well they said that like only a few percentages of them are really credible, but obviously they didn't read their own information because if you read through it, there's quite more than a few percent that seem pretty credible. Right. Um, it goes right. over McMinnville, and then there's there's film footage um, from Great Halls, Montana, which is it's really weird looking. It it kind of looks like old special effects, honestly, but like two balls flying through the air in formation, and uh, they actually go behind a tower, so. Um, yeah, it's it's strange looking, otherworldly looking for sure. Is that the the part where there were I mean there were missile sites that were getting uh that were getting shut down? Uh, no, that... we're we're gonna get into that in the next chapter here. Okay, um, I must be jumping ahead then. My bad. So yeah, so basically, uh, Condon's putting the kibosh on it and saying that there's there's nothing to see there. Although it's that seems to disagree with the data in the actual report. Um, and, um, so basically after that came out, it was, that kind of killed the research because the government was making an official statement on it. And after that, there was no funding and, you know, universities aren't going to put their prestige on the line to, to go after something that's already been quote unquote debunked, you know? Right. Um, Yeah. Which is is interesting. Yeah. And and that kind of leads us to. Today's. I guess that's, that's a that's a fundamental part of peer review is if you can't replicate something, um, then there's no point in trying, I guess. Uh, and so if you're if it's a scientific study that has already been uh, shown that it can't be replicated by a peer review, then again, why would you waste your university's precious precious funds? Uh, trying to debunk debunk something that has already, in theory, been debunked. Right, which seems odd because if it was peer reviewed, then, but this other guy saying that that disagrees with the data that there's nothing to it, then I don't know how that works, you know. But you also, I mean, the government was probably paying for a lot of this research, and then they had no interest in putting any budget towards it, or it just went all black, you know. Who, that's where the conspiracy comes in. Who knows what's going on, really? And um, so in 1969, Air Force officially ends their research, closes Project Blue Book, I believe. And then you got this weird guy. I wasn't sure who he was, but I like his, the cut of his jib there where he's like, well, that's one way. Oh, what about the other way? It works the other way, too. He's like, flies in the buttermilk, shoe, fly, shoe. <laughs> but it, he did make a very good point where he's like, well, I think he was from MUFON or something. But – um. He's like, well, if they close the report, what does that mean? And the interviewer is like, well, it means that they they don't know what it is. He's like, or the other way. Oh, that's uh, Fred. His last name is Friend. 
okay. Yeah, yeah. It is like, no, maybe they, if they in study their, if they in their study, that means they do know what it is. Yes, yes. This devilish grin. Colonel, Colonel Friend, I think was his name. Uh, yes. And I, I remember that because uh, I'd want him to be a friend of mine as well. So he's, he's, he's basically implying, uh, not that they discovered there was nothing to it, that they, basically confirm that this is a real phenomenon they decided that um you know to do it black ops or whatever black budget but um right yeah and you you could cut it both it cuts both ways who knows you know um yeah <laughs> so um now and then we get into uh into the nukes yeah the nuke stuff was actually pretty pretty scary man pretty scary uh <laughs> <laughs> thinking about yeah uh you know the 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 reader's digest version of the the nuke stuff uh that i have written down is um <clears throat> in america apparently there are some uh there's a significant amount of nuclear missile sites in uh in montana uh which were god i forget i, I tried to write down the year do you have the year on this grant um, oh, um the, the montana missile sites no i don't no. i don't the but a lot of this information this comes from the 2010 briefing or like the press conference right where, yes. they, where they're talking yes. about it and, yeah yes and uh it's it's compelling stuff these are like yeah they say it's, in the movie these are these people are trained to protect our secrets and military our top in military assets and they all seem pretty blown away i'm pretty sure that like there's no reservation in their mind that these are otherworldly visitors trying to send a message or I mean, they basically they're telling all these stories that you've probably heard before if you're listening to this. But of flying saucers coming in, um, nothing to do about you can do about it. They can shut down stuff at will or whatever. And they're shooting laser beams and either like shutting missiles down or turning them on where they had to do a manual shutdown of one of them i believe oh god that was in ukraine i think that was that was the ukraine was, one okay and that was that in 1982 the, the ukrainian base yeah that was the ukraine one where there was almost a, a an entire like, huge annihilation yeah, that yeah. Was. And they had to manually shut it down because it was it was started basically yeah. and then and uh one of the officials i forget who but he says that basically like he believes that um they're they're sending us a direct message saying like, what are you people doing playing around with nuclear weapons? You know, <laughs> or what are you doing with these? Like why? <laughs> right. And, um, Which I mean, that, that's, there's a lot of, I, I mean, mean, yeah, that's kind of reading into, into it. You're, you're super reading it. Like maybe that's people projecting into whatever yeah. these things motives are. Um, but yeah, there, but they, there's a lot of testimonials from, from people like as I refer to them as the old guard, people who've been around for a long time, and people who have been in charge of extremely sensitive things for a long time, who are saying, "Look, uh, I can't explain this. I'm coming out at my own, at the risk of my own personal uh, reputation, to say that. Look, uh, I don't necessarily, I can't say with 100% certainty that these things are not uh, terrestrial." But at the same time, I can tell you that I can't explain what they were. And it is uh, a sincerely held belief that they are probably not from here. Right. Um, and it's I mean, these are straight sci-fi stories, like a laser beam coming out of a flying saucer and either shutting down a nuclear missile. You know, right. that's 
That's insane. And um, it seems and obviously like, this is- I mean, I mean, in, in retrospect, like looking at it from a 2020 perspective, like they probably wouldn't need a laser beam to do that. Whatever right. these things were, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, you know, they could. Well, who knows? But you, you hear yeah. about that stuff, like the light beams, you know, or. Um, right. I mean, yeah, who knows? It, it does seem kind of funny because it is straight out of a sci-fi movie. So that you got to take that with a grain of salt, too, I guess. And obviously anything that happens on a nuclear silo is going to be top, top secret. Like the government's not going to want to get into how the missile was aborted or anything like that. Right. Um, and I assume most of those places have no fly zones over them as well. I, I would right. assume that I don't I'm not as familiar with military protocol as uh, other people are. Perhaps, but I would assume that if there is sensitive uh, weaponry and stuff, you would not want planes flying over that area. And yet, something was flying over this area with impunity. <laughs> Supposedly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then another interesting quote was like um, one, you know, he's talking about an incident where uh, this might be on Malmstrom base, Malmstrom Air Force Base, but where uh, like 10 missiles were shut down or something and he said there's it's extremely rare for one missile to be shut down at a time but all 10 is that's it doesn't happen right 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 i think that was monstrum yeah um and the next one i think was uh another case from unsolved mysteries that would be the raf bentwaters uh oh yeah in england that's a pretty uh, one, not commonly known as Rendlesham, I believe. Yeah, is it Rendlesham? Is that the Rendlesham yeah, yeah. one? Didn't yeah, we? This, I think we might have even done an episode on Rendlesham. No, we it? haven't done Rendlesham actually. Oh but, uh, God, I would love to. Then, okay, I feel yeah, like we might have, the reason I felt like it is because I feel like I know it so well. Uh, it's one of the yeah. big. I I haven't wa- I've wanted to do it, but I the way I want to do it is correctly, and that would take me like weeks and weeks of of research, really, um, just because there's so many moving parts on there. Um, one thing that I just want to put out there is for Colonel Holtz, because he's like a very, uh, it's it's really famous. He's got a recording of him and his crew going out there and observing these lights around the base and being really creeped out. You can tell on the, that they just don't know what they're looking at. But there's also a lighthouse right there. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, this is yeah. RF Bentwater. This is what he, they're talking about, Colonel Holtz. You're I right. Mean, yeah, yeah. Just, just for all our, our English listeners, uh, it's um, – Royal Air Force Bentwaters, and it's in Rendlesham, Suffolk. Suffolk. <laughs> Sorry, S U F F O L K, Suffolk, in England. Although, in yeah, and but it is an American base, right? Right, um, it is an American. Well, it's base. a RAF, but um, yeah, the right. American right nuclear base. Um, right. And um, it's in the basically uh, this. It's in the south, um, the uh, southeast uh, portion of England. And um. I mean, we'll not get into it too much, but one thing I found interesting about this that I was finding when I was doing some preliminary research about it um, and looking into some skepticism is it's kind of interesting because he, they're freaking out about this light and they're like, where's it go? Where'd it go? And they're like, oh, there it is again. Oh, that's weird. That is really strange. And then, um, but then the guy on this website, I mean, I don't know, I didn't go double check, but he found the period for that lighthouse and it does happen on the tapes. You can hear them reacting in the same time frame. Like 
at a, at regular intervals. So they could have just been getting freaked out by a lighthouse, honestly. <laughs> by a lighthouse. Does that make it, sense? It, you know, so yeah, it's like it does. It, every it does. 25 seconds, the thing will go around or whatever. And then every 25 seconds, like, oh, there it is again. But I think it's more like 10 seconds or something like that or 15 seconds. So, so this thing is appearing like clockwork. Um, yeah, yeah. But the, the, the thing that doesn't jive with that uh is i mean they they should have all been aware it was there and they i don't know but then the fog and stuff can mess with it and it could have just been they they did see something crazy and then they were seeing that light and they're like oh what's going on but they did see something in the woods too they saw something landing in the woods and then shoot up into the sky i'm sorry my cat is having an absolute meltdown right now uh um let me let open the door here let her out um, one, one thing that's interesting about that story, too, is there's another group that went out and some guy apparently went and had like a crazy story with a craft that he found there. And they don't even bring that up in this movie. They only stick to Holt, you know, Holt. Right. Uh, and that other one, I that one's getting that story gets crazier and crazier as time goes on. And we'll have to get into that. I think that was in, in Unsolved Mysteries. Right. But uh, that guy might be kind of BSing, but Holt, I believe actually believes what he saw or Holt. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting story. I'm sure a lot of UFO enthusiasts are it already, but, um, truth. Um, and then I think, and then, Oh, I think the next one they get into is, is Ukraine, right? Yeah. Or am I jumping ahead on that? Yeah. We kind of discussed that, but yeah. yeah, in, In Ukraine, uh, I guess the, in 1982, apparently there were some uh, missile missile sequences that were started, <laughs> not uh, which is which is right. even scarier than missiles being shut down. Uh, right. The only scarier thing than that is missile sequences being started up, and these are ones that were typically uh, you require at least like two people turning a key or two people entering a code in the sequence. Um, and these sequences started up, and I guess the the UFO apparently hovered for over an hour in over this Ukrainian missile launch site. Which I don't know, maybe that could just be like some kind of like propaganda thing where they're like, uh, people are like, uh, why are your missiles getting ready to fire? And they're yeah. like, oh, it's a UFO. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It would be funny. Like, the U.S. is like, oh, okay. Uh, hey, uh, hey, uh, Ukraine, uh, we see your missiles are getting pretty warm over there. What's happening? Uh, it is UFO. Do not worry. <laughs> so, uh, but, but then we move on from Ukraine, which um, to the chapter a crack in the wall. That's what George Knapp, right? Yeah, yeah. And then we get into motherland of Russia, and. Um, yeah. Yeah, George. And basically the other the other nuclear superpower and um it looks like they had their own experiences. Yeah, uh George Knapp, uh a you know, UFO journalist, the guy who broke the Bob Lazar story and uh uh the guy who also featured prominently in um God, was he I think he was in the Skinwalker Ranch documentary that we watched, right? Um George Knapp was apparently invited, uh, or he went on a, a trip to Moscow in 1993. Uh, Jacques Vallée did as well. Um, 
uh, trip to Moscow because once uh, communism fell, I guess the Russian government, from my understanding, the way this documentary made it sound, is that Russia kind of opened the books on their own UFO um, experiences, uh, which were kind of a mystery during the Cold War, at least. And I guess there's a lot of visual and um, like uh, radar like radar returns which were unidentifiable uh to the russians and uh so george knapp and jacques valet went over there and tried to make make sense of make sense of this stuff but i think a lot of the um the Oh, God, with the Muscovite. <laughs> I guess a lot of the Muscovite uh, uh, stories were just, I, I guess, uh, there, there was no rational explanation for them. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we better, I guess we got to move because we still got a bit of this movie to go through. And um, But, um, yeah, then it gets into uh, Lawrence Rockefeller. I thought this was kind of interesting and uh, how he was kind of, during the Clinton era, was trying to pressure basically pressuring to release you know for disclosure about these right. and, um, more open investigation and everything um i'm not i don't really remember the narrative on this but somehow it jumps from that to roswell the big one um right i didn't write too many notes on roswell because this was you know this roswell i think has been uh covered as ad nauseum but you know that's if you're doing a, a, a documentary about the ufo phenomenon you want it to be complete you gotta include roswell in there so well um, well that's a big one and then this is the first evidence that the uh well quote-unquote evidence that the government actually could have recovered um uh artifacts basically or right. um, fragments right. of a crash ship if, if anyone's not familiar with roswell we got to open up roswell new mexico man um i'm, I'm hoping trump if he gets reelected, he's going to open it up um <laughs> didn't he say that i think yeah, that's what it's yeah, called yeah. we're going to open up roswell we're going to do, 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 do. <laughs> but the uh the, the person in command of that mission was marcel right he went to recover the the debris and whatnot and it has some some pretty good footage of him walking around talking and basically saying like it's not a, you know, it wasn't weather balloon as like obviously right, that was a cover right. story. And um, it, he does describe foil, but he says it's like quote unquote foil. It looks like aluminum foil and it's a skinny, but you couldn't bend it. You could hit it with a with a sledgehammer and it would would not change shape or anything. Um, not a bunch of tin foil and and wood basically. That so that's the equivalent of me trying to describe something as tin foil. Because that's the best way I could describe it, even though it its properties are nothing like tinfoil. Right. It looked like tinfoil, basically, is how he described it, or but did not did not act like tinfoil at all. Right. Just because I say something looks like a human tooth doesn't mean that it's a human tooth. Right. Although that would be the best cover story, <laughs> right? Is to find something that looks like foil and and say it was that. Um, and then uh, General Ramey said it's uh, beyond top secret basically um which out of context i'm not sure what that means but um but basically that i it occurred to me you know it does make sense from military military point of view to um i guess it, it must have been rain so marcel might have been he was the family member of the uh farmer or the rancher yeah maybe? 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. And he was the one describing the foil. General Ramey said, basically, there's nothing I can do. I was told to say it was this, so I said it was that. You know. Um, and it's beyond top secret, so that makes sense from a uh, from a military point of view. Obviously, if if you recovered some artifacts from that are advanced technology from off world, you maybe you don't want your enemies knowing that you have that, you know, or um, of course, or where yeah. it is, or you know, that's going to be you want to protect that pretty much. Um, well, it could go either way. Uh, you could be like, hey, guess what? We got. Uh, Aliens landed here, and we got Thor's hammer, and we can wield Thor's hammer now. So, try it. We True. dare you. And so that's I guess another it could reason. go both yeah, ways. Yeah. yeah. Um. So then, uh, yeah, 1994. There's a Roswell report, and the case is closed. And it was it was weather balloons with uh, microphones on them. So. Sure. And uh, not buying it. <laughs> and we get into like um. Basically, this is where they talk about well. You know, it might be kind of dangerous because who is in control? If if we did recover this, nobody knows it. Like, who knows it? And who's in control of this on behalf of the American people to protect the American people or whatever? And uh, the president, you know, if it's – there are things classified above top secret, which means even the president doesn't have access, which, you know, the president comes and goes, honestly. I mean – Right. It's, it's been a while since we've had a president that was has a military background, you know, <laughs> but uh, – yeah. So that that would make sense. Like, why would you want some politician, civilian, some anyway? I, I don't have high opinion of politicians recently, but um, yeah, why would you want them coming in and poking their finger on something you've been working on for twenty, thirty years or whatever? I don't know. It's a, uh, but that's what they call the swamp too. Is people working in the background on their own things out of public eye. So anyway, that's that's the. That just gets into the whole UFO conspiracy thing, so <laughs> with the government, um, and then uh, it gets into astronaut Ed- Edgar Mitchell, and he he basically said in an interview that yeah, if I mean he didn't really confirm anything, he just said that's what supposedly if they recovered stuff or something. But well, um, I feel like uh, that's an interview I think I've seen before. In yeah, got, I think that's part of the disclosure, the serious disclosure. Yeah, I think it is because uh, he's got a very distinctive way of speaking and uh, i was like I, I i feel like i've seen this one before yeah yeah so uh we might have actually done that one already yeah but, uh, if not we're going to probably in the future here but um okay so then we get into coming to light and that's that's talking about uh the tic tac stuff and all the stuff that we've been going over ad nauseum and right, kind of the modern, right. modern day ufo lore and it but they do have harry reed talking about it um doesn't really say i mean basically he implies like yeah this is real and um there's so much out in here in the government that isn't out to the public and it's basically confirming everything that the movie has been making a case for right um, without so much as saying that yeah but he does straight up say like um most of it hasn't seen the light of day like because the, the interviewer asked him, like, um, are you saying there's information that hasn't seen the light of day that is illuminating? He's like, yeah, I'm saying uh, most, most of it. Of it. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Uh, Harry Reid uh, seems like he he made the case that he, he made a, a good faith effort to try and, uh, you know, get some get funds for for an actual proper UFO investigation. Uh, a modern one, anyway. 
and it, it we, we'll touch on, I mean, you know, so he, he say, basically says there is something to it and I want to reveal that there is cause it, you know, that's the big question. Is there anything to this? And I want, I want people to know there is something to this. Um, and then it gets into a tip and how they, and Christopher Mellon and how they kind of orchestrated releasing another thing, this other podcast we won't, we won't mention by his name that, uh, <laughs> the host is so furious about this, but uh, I mean, I, I see his point, but it's it's just so funny. Um, it's uh, a tip and Elizondo and how they kind of use some back channels to get this out to the public. Yeah, they're in, they're in control. They are monetizing it straight up, you know, military assets or secrets. But at the same time, we we, we wouldn't know anything about it unless they had done that. You know, they tried to clear it for for to not be top secret, and they weren't able to, so they just backdoored it basically in a parking lot. But um. And released it to the New York Times, and that brings literally, us to literally, literally, a Pentagon parking lot. If, uh, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's what it was. Dangerous place to do those kinds of deals, but okay. well, I think that's. I mean, that's what I got from the documentary. Is literally in the Pentagon parking lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Christopher Mellon kind of laughs about how he just like broke protocol and released top secret information to the public, which is. Interesting. Christopher Mellon's a, a weird guy. He's a character, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. Um, he looks simultaneously old and like super young at the same time. <laughs> <But>, uh, <laughs> kind of, he's got the Steve Martin thing going. Yeah. And just the way he talks, you wouldn't think he's like head of like Defense Department or anything, you know. Um, right. But then, uh, and it gets into Fravor, who's always a, I don't know, he's like a cocky pilot dude, but he's a. Uh, He's he's interesting to hear talking. He, you know, he's told this story quite a bit now. Um, yeah, and he's got a he's got a salty mouth too. He's got yeah. So he's you're watching it with your kids. Get ready to plug your ears when David Fravers talking. Oh really? I forget. Yeah, he's he's a BA. He's what we'd call a BA. Yes. Uh, an evil donkey, as I like to say. But um. Yes. The um. And then but he he also said poof it's gone you know like that's the common refrain is like I like the little there was a nice little artist interpretation I thought of the of of Fraber's visual um uh of the of what he saw off the coast of San Diego um it almost like there was like a massive um, submerged object that the Tic Tac was flying over and everything, and it's it's cool to get an artist's interpretation on that. I don't know if Fraber himself signed off on the artist's interpretation, but right. um, it's basically how I pictured it from what what we yeah before, you know. Um, Truth. He he did say that the axis of the Tic Tac never changed, so it was kind of just facing the same way while it was darting around, which I hadn't. I didn't. I hadn't pictured it like that when he said it was bouncing around like a ping pong in a can or something. But um, and then when when he started approaching it, it immediately changed axis and like pointed towards it, which is creepy, you know. Yeah, uh, and it's like okay, bye. <laughs> it's like get out of here. <laughs> and he actually uh, kind of described like how there was like a little thing on the bottom or like a little antenna sticking off it or something, and that was in the rendering too. Um, but uh, yeah, basically the Tic Tac jam sensors and uh. And it was hotter than the air around it. That was only real information that was added on there. But uh, that that is interesting. It jammed jammed the sensors when you try and get a lock on it. You know, right? It actively uh, trying to do that. It's not a like a sensor fault or anything. It's like something is actively trying to prevent the sensor from. It it knows it's trying to be detected, 
and whatever that thing is is actively trying to prevent itself from happening, which is super creepy. Man, I wonder if that's just top secret American technology, man. That'd be crazy, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't I'm, I'm not in a position to answer that question. Look, so. I'm not either, man. But I, the way things have been going, I don't think we have the intelligence to. Frankly, I don't think our yeah, I don't think our country is smart enough to hold on to a secret like that. Frankly, yeah, it could be. I don't know. These guys seem to think it's. I mean, Christopher Mellon would be in a better position to know whether it's a likely ours or not, I guess. Um, True. But for what, for what everyone says, like this doesn't seem like like it would be, you know. Um. So. Uh, yeah. So. And then Reed, it comes back to Reed and how, like, we tried to release this information and we want more transparency and, and basically everything in their power to stop this from the military and everything. And he said that defense intelligence was the worst one to deal with. Um, mm. They did not want to give that up, um, which makes sense, too, because you're you're protecting our defense capabilities, you know, and, and what we're able to detect and, and whatnot. Um, it's a sticky wicket. Um and then, uh, and then we get Papua. Did you get the Papua New Guinea sighting? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna get to that. So Melon, he's something. Uh, it's it's outside of normal oversight. So if there, if we do have UFO pieces, he's saying like he's not aware of it, and it would be outside of normal military oversight. Which is basically what's implied is that it's been brought off to uh, shipped off or basically moved to private interests contracted with the government because that way it's protected from freedom of information acts and whatnot. Um, right. Right. Which is like government oversight basically. <laughs> right. And so if whatever that private industry is, if they decide to release that or whatever, then <laughs> man, oh man, they're, they're not accountable to the public basically, you know, right. Private. Um, and then it gets into uh, before we get into Papua New Guinea, which is which is an awesome story here. Um, yeah. The and Zimbabwe, um, but uh, we get into Jacques Vallée's lab. We go visit him at his lab, and right. this is like oh, I forgot to write that down. Yeah. This is what we were doing with the UFO news. I think is basically they're implying that these are they got these fragments that are not man-made, not natural. Well, um, I don't. I don't want to say that they're not man-made. I don't think. That, I think that's, that's too they, big. They are careful they're, not to say that. But yeah, they don't. They don't occur in nature. These are, I guess, isotopes like that are artificially created. Uh, we don't. We can't necessarily say that they're not made by humans. But right. this chem, whoever this chemist was at Stanford, I think, is where it was. Right? Wasn't it? At, well, he had a he had a multi-parameter ion beam measurer, I think he called it. Okay. <laughs> and he also had a tricorder. <laughs> yeah, this was very Star Trek because he's talking about advanced stuff in a simple way, but he's not really breaking it down. It kind of reminded me of L- Elizondo breaking down the Tic Tac videos and what we're seeing there, and without getting very technical at all, you know. Right. Um, so we kind of have to go off what he says, but he said uh, the isotopic isotopic ratio doesn't make sense. It looks like it was put together at the atomic scale, like manufactured question mark, but um, basically right. manufactured. He thinks it's manufactured and it was done at the atomic level, not not and even putting together it, elements like like. And, um, 
and where did those pieces come from? I'm trying to remember specifically what incident those did. did good you, question. Did I'm you, not sure where those came from. Sure? Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. there's a – I'm not sure, and uh, forgive us, dear listeners, because I didn't write specifically down. I was I was kind of transfixed with what was happening. Um but yeah, there. Yeah, I don't even know if they if they got into that at all, did they? Yeah, I mean, they, it. If they didn't, that's a massive oversight in the documentary. Yeah. Uh, I was blaming yeah. myself, which I am well, that's pretty good at. Well, but uh, talk about Lee, though. I mean, he's talked. He's been all over the world talking to different people that have had experience. So who knows? Yeah, that's a good question. That's a very good. Yeah. Question. So anyway, they have these these metal samples of metal that are being analyzed by someone, and I think it, it's at pretty sure it was stanford man which is a a, a prestigious university here in california um Mm -hmm. and uh they did some you know chemical analysis of it which you know it it, what else am i going to do i'm going to have to take this person's word for it because they're uh you know they've got credentials and and that kind of stuff and uh if if i am to take them at their word which i tend to want to do because I found this documentary to be fairly straightforward and, um, you know, non-sensational again. Um, it's really remarkable that yeah. either this, that whatever this sample was, was likely created, uh, by some kind of human technology that we, as the, you know, the human public don't know about, uh, as in it was created by humans or it was created by something that we can't even fathom at this point. And I, at the atomic scale, I'm not sure what that means. I guess, yeah, we, even we, we can't really do things at an atomic scale, like putting things together or anything, huh? But I was thinking ionically, it would even be like at a particular level, you know, like the particles of an atom, but I'm probably reading too much into that because they said the atomic scale. What does that mean? Does that mean like, atoms they're doing it yeah are you sure it's not particles like they're not doing it proton by an electron and neutron by neutron because if you're doing the isotope that's how many electrons are in there i believe like what kind of charge it is so well i'm not a i'm not a scientist nor am i a chemist nor do i play one on tv so uh you know that was uh (laughs) but it it was very impressive uh hearing this uh, this fellow talk about it yeah um and that's that is frustrating because it, it would be nice if they just went really into it, you know, to be like, hey, this is crazy, you know. Um, I feel like that could be its own documentary, going from scientist to scientist to scientist, saying like, hey, this is what we have. Maybe you could. I'd like to get a second opinion on this. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I would. Yeah, I would like to see the conclusive studies on there, but I am not part of that game, yeah. so <laughs> probably not going to happen. Um, so then we get into uh, one of the final chapter or the final chapter. Contact. Is that what it's called? Yeah, oh, I do. Um, yeah. And then uh, so we get Jodie Foster. She's uh, she wants to go to um, Pensacola. And, <laughs> and her dad like really gets her into uh, stargazing and then but he passes away and um Matthew McConaughey gets involved. It's it's crazy. And then there's a religious fanatic and all this kind of yeah. stuff. Gary Busey. Gary Busey. Um, no, anyway. anyway that's good. That. 
that was that was yeah. Grant. That was, that was Grant and I indulging our own dumb senses of humor. <laughs> Bad comedy. Um, yeah. Anyway, I love Carl Sagan, and and Contact is a great story. And anyway, uh, yes, yeah, so, but because I was thinking the whole time, like they haven't even really gotten into, except for the oddball uh, Zamora story. They haven't talked about any alien beings or anything like that. No abduction. I was starting to notice that, you know, it was kind of I a dry. Think was, I think uh, there was a picture of like Barney Hill or something at some point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I noticed that too. When they, cause they were talking about Jacques Vallée and Heineck talking to everybody and uh, Betty and Barney. Hill. That's kind of when like, yeah, Travis Walton, you know, they kind of gloss over that one and all the biggies. But, um, yeah, an interesting story from uh, Papua New Guinea, though, and um, basically these figures on top of a craft, like a floating stage or something. It was pretty cool. Very, very sci-fi again or fantasy. Um, and yeah, it and it was hanging out there for several hours, apparently. Yeah, uh, I guess it, it was in 1959, and there was a, a missionary down there uh, who was just. I guess he was just doing missionary type activity. <laughs> the, the the good people of Papua New Guinea. Uh, and he, he was talking in the interview um, about how this, I don't know, was it multiple crafts or just one craft that was it made just it sound like there was, I thought there was more than one. I, I don't recall yeah, yeah. several crafts, but like, like people, maybe it was one. Yeah. Like whatever was in this craft was actually like had, creatures on top of it like waving and like uh well, they said they were just standing there and then the people watching it were like well what will they do if we wave or will they understand that or you know and then they just turn around and like wave back at them yeah so i again that's you know just amazing one of one of a yeah like one of a, a zillion um testimonials in this documentary that's really that's really interesting and that i hadn't even heard about before yeah. Um, most, most of my UFO knowledge is restricted to the the United States, with the exception of like you know Rendlesham and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it, hearing about this this story from Papua New Guinea and um, the Zimbabwe one too. That's the yeah, that's the big one, man. That was yeah. this is back in '94, right? Yeah, um, it was the dopest song I ever wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, a real long time ago but uh this is interesting because feel me <laughs> and this is what i was talking about because I, I had heard that they were making this documentary where they have the footage from the kids when they originally saw it back in 94 and then they went back and interviewed them as adults and got their perspective now which is fascinating you know and they these kids yeah. were interviewed it seems like it was they pretty much like it happened and they came and told and then news crews were there and they just got interviewed before they had time to uh to think about it or anything man and these kids are like huh. They seem to be taking it pretty seriously for some kids, you know, like, um, well, this was, you know, yeah, like you said, in 94, it was a school in Zimbabwe and there were 64 children that were interviewed by the BBC. Um, uh-huh. yeah. And, uh, one of the things that stood out was that, uh, Dr. John Mack came in there and started interviewing the people. John Mack is a, a famous, uh, ufologist as I'm sure. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think oh, we mentioned oh, really? Was he one of the ones yeah. interviewing them? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, John, John, yeah, John Matt came in there, and uh, I was wondering if they like were like, okay, 
like we're gonna isolate each of these kids and like try and get individual stories from but it didn't sound like that it sounds like they just all sat them down in the playground and were like all right would you kids see and then you know yeah uh, at first, like at first I was like, Oh man, like, why are they going to end with this story? It's a bunch of kids who are saying that they saw stuff and, you know, you get a bunch of kids together, they're easily susceptible to peer pressure. And, you know, there's, right. there's numerous studies about kids telling tall tales, especially when they're around each other. Um, so I didn't give this any credence whatsoever, but then, um, thankfully, the documentary interviews the the school kids as adults, as you were saying, and they they, they stick by the story. Uh, <laughs> um, I write what I wrote. Yeah, <laughs> um. uh, yeah, and they even uh, they even interview the the which I thought was funny. They interview the quote unquote headmistress of the school. <laughs> uh, she apologizes named, to the kids, right? Yeah, yeah, she does. She said look you know i'm she didn't uh i guess she didn't take it seriously or she tried to downplay it or something but she seemed kind of remorseful for her uh response to the whole thing in zimbabwe and she said the interviewer said uh hey so is there anything you'd like to say to the kids or is there anything you'd like to say and she's like yeah aliens visited us that day um so and I she guess- um I guess like a lot of the kids probably got in some trouble because they kind of mentioned it too. Like, well, it was kind of hard at the school because we had to stay at the school and, you know, uh, defend right. our story of basically, basically what we saw or whatever. Right. Um, right. Um, but yeah, there's some funny quotes in there. Like uh, one of the little girls, she she describes the – so yeah, let's describe what happened though. But the, basically um, these kids see a silver oval kind of fly or hover over the school kind of doing weird things or whatever. Uh, one of the kids says, I, at first I thought it might be a UFO, or I didn't think it was a UFO first, but then I was looking at it and I thought, it might be a UFO. <laughs> so, like so they were aware of UFOs at least, um, which well, is interesting. The kid, the, the kid, you know, made some, that's some remarkable. Uh, how, how old would you say kids are? Oh God, I don't, it could be anywhere between 10 and 13. I don't know, man. I'm a, I'm a terrible I'm asking Tom because uh, he's got a, a young, I, young I do. I have a, yeah, I do have a, a a fourth grader at home, but it, it's, kids it's just very like first or second or something like that, right? I would think. <laughs> they, they described. Was this the one where the kids described the aliens as looking like they were maybe sixth graders? <laughs> I put that quote. I wanted to get that because, uh, yeah, yeah, the girl. I think it might be the same girl. She describes that. So what happens is this this craft goes and touches down in the forest off on the perimeter or something. It's a huge school. There's a big field there and stuff. Yes, Zimbabwe. Uh, I, I guess Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. I don't know if this is a private school probably or something. It, it was called a aerial school, I believe. Yeah. Um, it looked looked pretty nice, man. I, I don't, I'm not too familiar with Zimbabwe, and they um. But anyway, so they approach and they all ran over there, and there was a figure. Again, standing on top of the craft, I believe, right? Yeah. And there's artist renditions of these. Right these next kids. to it, actually. Not 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 on top okay. of it. I think it was right next to it. Okay. And um, everyone draws this figure. One of the complaints I saw in the reviews for the movie is that, like, the kids didn't even draw the, the figure the same. You know, they don't even match. And it's like, well, you get a bunch of kids just to draw their a human being like their shoulders are going to be all over the place up, you know, what a <laughs> out of the head, you know, 
Buddha. There's a lot of nitpicking going on in the Amazon yeah. section. A lot of, like, yeah. Really, you're going to give this movie one star? Come on. Welcome to a computer conversation here. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, uh, but yeah, so they see this figure and then that's what, yeah, the girl describes it as, as big as a grade six. Yeah. Which is <laughs> <laughs> funny. Very child, hey, that's childlike. A, that's a, that's a good frame of reference, you know. I get yeah. it. It's probably, yeah. But they, she said she was standing one meter away from it. That's crazy, man. Yeah, like standing three feet away from something, like, uh, dude, that's 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 terrifying. Yeah. They so they basically say, and do they say it as adults too? It's like, yeah, I was standing there next to this creature that I couldn't understand because I'd never seen anything like it, and uh, it's your typical gray. It sounds like. Um, big black eyes is the main thing. And this actually, it kind of reminded me of Walton, how he said like the eyes are like, I think, I think you hear this in a couple different accounts. I, I know we don't even hold up Walton as really like a reliable narrator, but um, it is interesting how it matches up because um, yeah, they said it was like hard to look away from the eyes, you know? Um, and it was, and it was, I think it was giving them information about technology or something like that yeah. too, apparently. It seemed to the eyes were mesmerized. It basically sounds like yeah, it was um, trying to communicate like somehow telepathically, or it was communicating with them because they said they looked at it and they got the message like are these feelings that they they mustn't get too technological is what the the girl said. <laughs> little, I think this is from the little kid, right? And then yeah, uh, this is when their children still. And then that how um, you know if there's no trees, there's no air, and we won't be able to breathe. And it's uh it's crazy man uh it's almost biblical a, a, a being coming down from the sky and without speaking giving you letting you know giving you a vision of the end of of the world as we know it basically um and it's what i like is um so as an adult though the woman says well yeah they were communicating that Basically, they gave me a message that we have to make changes. I, I don't know what to do with that message or with that information. And I, I was like, hey, sister, welcome to just being a a citizen of Earth in 2020, man. You know? Yeah. What, yeah, true. I, if, if We all know this. We all know it. Like, what, do you, <laughs> what would aliens even be able to do? Go, go abduct two three four five hundred five thousand people and be like hey you need to understand that you can't do this and then when they you know you shut down shell oil someone else rises up in their place um what can you do our tribe's a little too big man um true what do you do stop sorry now i'm just going on a rant but it's been weighing on my mind too like what do you do boycott straws you know like with that information yeah it's like you're you're telling the wrong person you're uh you need to (laughs) if the aliens were really uh they would have to be less subtle with their with their message Uh, even so i mean what what who do you how do you get shell to stop you know Show oil. How do you shut that down? You know, how do you shut you down don't. the U.S. military? I mean, the U.S. military runs on oil. That's you know, the the oil. You make something that's not. Um, you monetize something that is. Uh, you monetize something other than oil. That's how you do it. And you have to get every single country on board. Um, you got to get b- people to stop burning down rain for it. I mean, it's it's a problem, man. 
Anyway, so the, yeah, so these. So I feel the same way as this woman. Like, I didn't need an alien to give me this message. You know, you just watch a few Netflix documentaries. You're like, oh, yeah, we're screwing the pooch here. That uh, I gotta go to work tomorrow. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still gotta put food in my mouth, man. Yeah. Hope, yeah, if I have a child, um, yeah, yeah, sure. Hopefully, they can. There will be food crops in 20 years and and water. But uh, that's what we do here. Are UFO real? We try and solve not just, you know, questions about uh, are UFOs real. Uh, we try and, you know, solve major problems for humanity. So uh, you're welcome, guys. You're welcome. <laughs> On the other hand, um, yeah, what would you do if you were an alien being like, hey, we got to get these. Like if a gorillas were going around and they were like defecating at the base of every tree and that was killing all the trees, which is killing all the thing, blah, blah, blah. And they can't grow food. And like, hey, these gorillas are going to die. I mean, meanwhile, we're wiping out the gorillas ourselves. But, um, you know, if they stop, if they just would stop pooping in that one spot, then the gorillas could survive. But they, they won't don't seem to do it. Like, how would we get to communicate to a gorilla to, to not do that? You know, even if we had telepathy, um. How do you get all the gorilla tribes to stop doing it? Um, I guess you would want to. I, I guess that, that was a bad metaphor. I was just trying to come up with it and thing. But you, you know what I mean? Like how how would you? What could aliens do really? Unless they just came in and mind controlled us, or or militarily came in and forced us to stop. You know. There's, <clears throat> well, there's no room for subtlety now, and I don't think there was any room for subtlety in 1947 or 1955. And uh, honestly, uh, it's not very subtle to go and shut down a nuclear silo either, but hey, that has no effect, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, they they could have if if they were truly interested in stopping humanity from having any kind of nuclear capability i'm sure they could have coordinated they they could figure out hey like if they can figure out that there's a nuclear base in ukraine i'm sure they can figure out where all the other nuclear bases are here for whatever reason they wanted to and they could have shut them all down at the same time and that would have sent a serious message that's not subtle at oh, all that's true that's yeah. true um so yeah yeah anyway yeah i can't serve, solve the world's problems i guess um but yeah the teacher said aliens visited us and yeah um, so this this lovely lovely uh elderly woman from uh the the headmistress of the school in zimbabwe uh right. offered a heartfelt imp- apology so it was it you know just coming full circle here i just thought this was a very um I saw a couple negative reviews on Amazon and I was a little bit disheartened and, and I watched the movie and I was like, this, I thought it was fantastic. Those arguably the best documentary um, outside of Mirage men that we've watched. Um, Not a lot of new information, new cases. I mean, it is all public record, but that's, it's like I said, it's compiling all the evidence in a, very cohesive and straightforward, entertaining way. And it's, it's really compelling, you know, cause it gets yeah. up and up and up and it, it tells a narrative, you know, but, and it's not a, it's not a lot of new footage. It is, like I said, I think that other one was that Zimbabwe was all from a, another documentary and a lot of old footage that I've seen before, but just, you know, that's what you want in a good documentary is to put it all together in a place and, and kind of, yeah. you know, yeah. And if my daughter, as she gets older, if she ever expresses interest in the UFO phenomenon, I'll, probably show her this documentary this is a nice introduction to it yeah um and then at the end uh so that's that's the end of the movie basically and then they uh in the credits though they have some good um kind of extra just 
Oh, I didn't even watch the Our credits, show. man. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool because it, it's even people that weren't in the movie. Like they have the uh, what was it? The Iranian one that we talked about. You know, that pilot. They have his him on there talking. Oh no, I didn't see that. Yeah. Oh my god. He's like, he's like, I didn't think of any. I tried to get a lock on it. I believe, I don't know why at the time, but I didn't try just sent radioing it and saying hi or like what do you want or I didn't even try that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. The guy seemed really cool. Um, and uh, yeah, good stuff in the credits. I I didn't really take any notes on it, but it definitely entertaining. Um, Dang, yeah, go awesome. check it out, man. If your rental's still available, yeah, my rental's still good for the next twelve hours or so. I think awesome. Oh yeah, just a couple minutes, you know. I mean, it's it's really minor, but it, it was interesting. Um, but yeah, that, that's a, I guess that's that covers it. I like I said, it's it was like Steve Greer or the what I wanted the Greer one to be. And it's kind of telling the same story, honestly, about benevolent quote unquote, benevolent aliens that are trying to communicate or something and could help us. But, uh, and that the government's hiding it, but told in a much more non, non conspiracy theory tone. I think it was, and not, and not saying, Hey, this is what's up. You got to fuck. You got to freaking get with it. Yeah. No, it was just in the phrase that keeps coming to mind is understated, but in a good way. Um, it was very uh, non-sensational, understated, and um, it was not ham-fisted at all. I, I thought. I mean, like it definitely had an agenda. It definitely wanted to say, like, hey, you know, this is you guys need to all you uninitiated folks out there need to open your eyes. But it did it in a way that I thought that was very. Um, uh, I guess convincing. So, yeah, props, so. props. Definitely. Would uh, yeah, I guess it, as far as UFO documentaries, I got to give this one five out of five. Man, I I enjoyed it. I think it delivered what I expected it to. Um, Truth. Same here, man. Same here. Uh, really slick, really slick. Uh, yeah. If you're if you're really into this stuff, it's probably not a lot of new information there, but it's it's worth a shot. I think worth checking out. Truth. Um, all right we've been going for a while here much longer than the movie itself but uh yeah well it was good catching up with you grant i missed you man hopefully we can hang out again sometime soon in person yeah. as opposed to over skype so no kidding i'm yeah. yeah i'm getting to the point where i want to make plans with friends and stuff but it's still like i can't get comfortable doing that you know um uh yeah but anyway but as, far, uh, as far as our podcast is concerned you know we're just going to keep putting them out as often as we can um but uh you know no promises guys just i just want to let you all know that we really appreciate you guys still listening to us and we've been getting all your emails and your your kind thoughts and we just you know as always we love it if you give us a like and a subscribe and a kind word or two always makes us feel good about ourselves as well so absolutely yeah yeah thanks guys we love you lots um take care of yourselves i i, I just kind of as a joke i put like a like a funny ending on the last one and it turned out to be like our our um what do you call that i don't want to say gravestone but you know our our epitaph um but uh yeah yeah well we should be back some i don't know i don't know what to say it'll probably be a while but we'll be back as soon as possible here guys Stay safe out there. Love you lots. Ciao.